Thanks so much, Jeanette. Um, yeah, great to be with you again this morning and um, we'll share this next message in the series we started last week. So we started a series called Wholehearted Worship. We're going through for three weeks and um, yeah, it's just been um, great because this is so central to who we are as we've already been talking about today as, as to the whole point of why we're gathered is to worship and so we've been doing and we're a community of worship, we're a place of worship and um, so it's great for us to spend some time talking about that and looking at what Scripture has to say about what that means. Um, and it's such a big topic uh, that we can't cover in three weeks, uh, but this is kind of a broad overview and a, and a, of a few different aspects of what this means. And we started last week with this idea that revelation start, worship starts with revelation. Actually, doesn't start primarily what we do, um, but starts with seeing God, which again, we've already been singing about today, just about who He is. And, and as Angus was just sharing, it's about looking at Jesus and seeing who He is. Um, worship starts with that, and we looked at Isaiah's encounter with God last week um, in the temple, and he sees God as high and lifted up as a king. He sees God as the Holy One. There's no one like him. He's holy, holy, holy. The whole earth reveals how much significance and weight and glory God has that he made it. And then he's also the humble one who would come to the cross, who would go to the lowest place has defeated death and now is in the highest place. So we worship him because of those things. And, and what we do is we come and, and seek to see him afresh and, and his greatness and his great worth. And then what um, an important part of worship then is that then we respond to him. Um, and when you see something of great worth, you, you kind of don't normally have to uh, force yourself to respond. You kind of just do. Uh, if you see a, a beautiful landscape or, or, or scenery Often you'll tell people about it, or you'll talk to someone next to you, this is just so amazing, and, and you praise it, you respond to it, because it's of great worth. And in a similar way, um, and it's a theme through the Bible that we see in worship, is that It's coming off. Um, not sure. might just be the receiver or something. I'll keep going. If I need to stop, I'll, I'll stop over. But uh, what we see in the Bible is uh, uh, that worship is actually related to this idea of sacrifice. Uh, which is kind of a strange thing, and we don't often um, necessarily resonate when, with sacrifices in the Bible, because we don't have to sacrifice, thankfully, animals, and um, we know Jesus is the once-for-all sacrifice for sin. We don't have to sacrifice for sin, but sacrifice is still a part of worship, and I think it's kind of a natural thing in some ways. In whatever is the thing of most worth in your life, whatever is the thing that's ultimate is the thing that you worship and is the thing that you will sacrifice for. It, the thing that is most ultimate is the thing that you will invest your time in, your energy in, is what you'll let other things go for, what you'll give up things to be able to do, and it's actually a form of sacrifice. So worship is related to sacrifice, and obviously in the Old Testament, it was actually related to people bringing precious things like animals that were so important and offering them to God as a gift, something costly that they would bring as a gift. And this honors God. In, in many ways, what worship is, is, is we've said that it's seeing the truth that God is worthy, and then it's responding in a way that shows His worth and honors Him. And, and so others can see Him honored. And I'm not sure. I might have to... That's all right. Yep, that's all right. I'll just I'll stick with this one. It's actually that he he actually desires this, right? If he is the most worthy, uh, then he wants to be seen as the most worthy 
among the world. And that's only the right thing to do, that if he is the ultimate, he should be seen as the ultimate. We see this in Malachi 1.11, the Lord speaking. He says, My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Again, it's this picture of God's name will be great, because incense will be lifted, which again is, a, is an Old Testament practice, but can in many ways represent prayer. God, God will be the one sought and prayed to across the whole earth. And pure offerings is this idea of sacrifice, of giving costly things back to God that honors him. If that's spread across the whole earth, he's seen as a great king. He's being given things of great worth. We saw this as well in this um, story that we just read out before, um, this story of Mary coming to Jesus uh, with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume is the story, just before Jesus is going to his death. And she takes this jar and she breaks it on his head. This is a costly sacrifice that she brings to Jesus. And people don't really understand what is happening, um, but Mary sees Jesus' worth And she also has been listening to him and has respected his word because Jesus has multiple times said that he's going to the cross. And she seems to maybe be one of the only ones who has really taken that to heart and is willing to sacrifice to prepare his body for burial. She will offer something that recognizes his worth and how precious he is and recognizes his word and what he said is going to happen. But as we read in the story, some then were saying indignantly, this is almost an offensive thing that she did. Um, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Like, what are you doing, Mary? You're wasting that. It's a waste. <laughs> and they don't understand Jesus' worth in some ways. They don't understand this is their last opportunity with Jesus. They don't understand he's going to the cross. But she's seen his worth. She's believed his word. And she wants to give a lavish costly gift that actually honors him. But they see it just as a waste. But Jesus sees it as an an act of worship that honors his great worth. He responds and defends her, says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Goes on saying that she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare it for burial. Then he goes on to say that she will be recognized for this great act. Like what she does is so special to Jesus that Jesus then honors her. Like she's honoring Jesus and Jesus sees it as a beautiful act and then says, everybody's going to hear about this because it's such a special, beautiful act. So it seems like a waste to people. It costs her, obviously, money. It it costs her maybe one of her most precious gifts. It costs her maybe her reputation in the moment and, and, and she humiliated herself and was rejected by people. But Jesus saw it as beautiful because she offered a, a costly gift that honored him. Perhaps one of the most well-known um, verses about this in terms of response, as well as in Romans 12, when Paul, after um, talking about God's great grace and his mercy and his plan of salvation, which is all revelation, right? The revelation of who God is and his faithfulness and his love, then Paul comes to response and says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so because of who God is, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's good. Ali's getting a voice. <laughs> um, 
So Paul, Paul literally says here that this is an act of worship, right, of actually offering our bodies to God. And he uses language of the Old Testament of sacrifice. And again, this is not a sacrifice for sin, but in the Old Testament there were other sacrifices that weren't just about sin. They were actually acts of worship. And one was a burnt offering where you'd bring an animal, um, a, a good animal, and you'd put it on the altar, and the whole thing would burn up. And we might say, what a waste. <laughs> it's just no, no one can eat it or anything. But it was an act of giving something of worth to God, and in a sense, God consuming it, and it's showing that God is worthy of our best. And what Paul is saying is that we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, as a burnt offering. The way to respond to God's great worth is to offer our whole selves. We actually honor Him with the costly sacrifice of ourselves. We don't just come offering our best goat or sheep or the first fruits of the harvest. We actually are called to come and offer everything. And it's costly in the sense of it's all. Um, It's also not costly because it's worth it, because He's worthy of it. Um, But He's called, He calls us to this response of surrender. And again, it's the only right response. If we see the revelation that He is the High King and He is holy, He's humbly saved us. The only thing that makes sense is to acknowledge that actually we belong to Him because He made us, and we belong to Him because He saved us, so we offer ourselves back to Him. And actually doing that honors Him. It honors the position He has. It's honored what He does. Therefore, it's an act of worship because it's, it's showing His worth to the world. There's this great um, song, um, the last verse, when I survey the, the wondrous cross, um, puts it so well. The, 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 the poem says, Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. We see Jesus offer his self fully. The Father give him his son completely. The only right response of, to show his worth is to offer ourselves completely in response. It's interesting, though, because the New Testament has other ways of talking about sacrifice. I think that one may be, may be well known, um, that, that we're called to offer ourselves as a sacrifice now. But there's, there's other sort of nuances of what that could look like as well, which is really interesting. One is in 1 Peter 2. Um, oh, I've, there we go. It says, he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is the idea that we, are chosen by God, were made holy in Christ, called to be set apart for his purposes, and he says that we are priests. We're royal priests, and priests offer sacrifices. But ours is to take the form of praise. Actually, the way that we, we're to be a people of praise who declare the praises of God who's called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This language as well is um, in this Hebrews verse, which is so interesting because it says it explicitly. Therefore, through Jesus, so because of Jesus' grace and mercy, we don't have to offer sacrifice for sin, but we come, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. This is a, a picture of the, our New Testament form of coming to offer God something that's of worth, something that's costly, is actually an act of praise, can be a sacrifice. Um, we don't have to offer sac- physical sacrifices, but we're offered to honor Him by offering ourselves and offering our praise of Him, which is, again, what we do when we gather. 
And this verse says that it's to be a continual thing, a continual offering of praise. Um, we get this as well in First Thessalonians uh, 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is, again, it's similar, right? Like the burnt offering stays on the altar and the whole thing is consumed. Um, in the temple, the incense is to be always burning. In the New Testament, we're to stay on the altar and we're to always be praising. And it's, it's so emphasized in this verse that it's always continually give thanks in all circumstances. It's even interesting that like the, the verses and chapters in the Bible were not there originally, so they were added later. Um, but it's interesting. Sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they're not helpful. In this case, it's interesting. Like rejoice always is verse 16. That's one verse. Like there's a memory verse. Rejoice always. <laughs> Next one, pray continually. That's verse 17. Like two words for one verse. I just wonder whether the people who were adding it were just like, hey, you need to really think about that. Rejoice always. Like just stop there, memorize that. And, and it's just this, this picture of continually being people of praise. And I think it can be a sacrifice because it's not always easy to do, right? Sometimes it's easy to praise God, but other times it's hard. But we're called to honor him with a sacrifice of continual praise. Again, sometimes praise may be cheap and easy. Again, if you, if you see something amazing and beautiful, it's easy to praise it. If the music is awesome and it's your favorite song and everyone's singing and the lights are right, it's easy to praise God. Like sometimes it's just simple and it just feels really good. But to offer a sacrifice of continual praise means that, well, even when it's difficult, even when life is hard, even when it's hard to see God, even when he seems silent, even when the songs are not good, and I don't like the way that things are, we're still called to offer him a sacrifice of praise. And in those cases, it might actually be a bit more costly, uh, especially if life is really difficult. You don't feel like praising God. It may cost a bit more. It may require a, a, a hum humility and a surrender. But if it costs more, in some ways, it shows that God is even more worthy, right? Like, to, to offer him a praise in darkness and difficulty actually honors him, that he's actually good even in the midst of hardship. Uh, in many ways, that's what the book of Job is about as well. And again, through the Bible again and again, we're called to rejoice in trial, to praise God in difficulty, to offer it to him continually. Merlin Carothers, as a quote, says this, The sacrifice of praise is offered when all is darkness around us. It is offered with a heavy heart unto God because he is God and Father and Lord. Actually, when everything's dark, there's actually an opportunity to offer a sacrifice of praise that shows even God's great worth, even when it costs us more. Um, again, this doesn't mean faking it or, or just um, going through the motions. It does involve choosing to praise God, but more in a discipline. It may involve surrendering to the difficulty and praising him and trusting him and depending upon him in the midst of that. And maybe as well, when, when we're in places and gatherings with other Christians and it's, and it's not the setting that we like or things are not the way that we would like them to be or the song isn't quite right or we're kind of a bit frustrated with how things are going, there's actually an opportunity there to offer a sacrifice of praise. Actually praise God anyway. You say, actually, it's not about me and my preferences. It's about God and his name. So if it doesn't suit me, it doesn't matter. We're to offer a sacrifice continually and not just on Sundays but throughout the week throughout our days. So then when we gather on Sundays, we've been praising God all week. Now we're just going to come together and we're going to do it together. It's not like this is the only time. So we can offer a sacrifice of continual praise. 
There's another way as well that I hadn't really noticed before, which is interesting that this, this language of sacrifice is used. Um, and it's, it comes out even in that same verse, uh, in the, the verse afterwards in Hebrews 13. It says, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. So not even just an inward thing, but actually using our lips to praise God. But then he says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So he talks about a sacrifice of praise, but then he talks about sharing and doing good to others, and says that's a sacrifice that God is pleased with. Just so interesting. Um, the message translation translates that um, verse there, the second part of it, as make sure you don't take things for granted and go slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God takes particular pre- pleasure in acts of worship and different kind of sacrifice that takes place in kitchens and workplaces and on the streets that actually there's this, this posture of, and when we share with each other and care for each other and are generous, it can actually be an act of worship that is a sacrifice that pleases God. Um, Paul talks about this again in um, Philippians when he is being given a gift when he's in prison and he's being supported um, and, and blessed with a gift and he responds this way. He says, I've received full payment, have more than enough, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Such an interesting picture, right? They sent him gifts to help him, but Paul says that was an offering to God. That was an act of worship. That was a spiritual sacrifice. So sharing with each other, supporting each other, serving each other is an act of worship. Giving generously is an act of worship. And it's interesting because, um, as well, this, this verse that we looked at before in, in Romans 12, often we read it, um, and even as we read it before, in light of God's mercies, present your body as a living sacrifice. We kind of think, well, that's about me presenting my body. But it's difficult because in the translation, we don't translate you as a plural um, very easily, but it's actually a plural. Paul's talking to the community. He actually says it more like this, Therefore, I urge all y'all, all you guys, Brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present all y'all's bodies. <laughs> like, we don't have good language for this, right? Let's put all of your bodies together as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your true and proper service of worship. He's actually speaking this to a community, and he's saying the way for you all to respond to God is to offer all of your bodies together as a living sacrifice to God. And then he goes on to talk about humility and service and love and the rest of the book is about Jews and Gentiles who are different being unified in Christ and being one. And it's this picture that actually when we offer ourselves to God as a sacrifice, it actually, he wants us to then offer ourselves to each other in love and humility and unity. Um, he goes on to, to well, basically the church is supposed to honor God and his greatness and what he's done through the cross by being a community that's unified in the midst of difference, where people who have different opinions and different preferences and different backgrounds, but they're one in Christ because they're surrendered to God, they can lay down themselves to each other. We actually honor Him with our care for each other. We surrender to Him, but then actually lay down ourselves for each other as an act of worship. Uh, There's a quote, I was studying this in the Bible Project this week, they 
they say it like this. What counts as sacrifice for Paul? We often answer this question with whatever makes the most sense to us as individuals. What Paul has in mind here is sacrifice for the sake of unity. Followers of Jesus laying down their individual preferences so they can avoid being divided along the same lines as the rest of humanity. And Peter, in that verse we were looking at before, is describing a new Exodus people who will proclaim God's praise among the nations and whose priestly sacrifices will take the form of mutual submission and honoring others before themselves. So actually, in worship, we're called to be united. And actually, what God wants and what reflects God's goodness and what Jesus even prayed for and said will reflect God's goodness and worth is when the church is one and we're a people who love him and love each other. And actually, we're called to offer ourselves to him. We're often called to praise him, but actually then as an act of worship to call, care for each other and lay down our preferences. And sadly, um, I think it's a huge shame then, then that worship music has been such a thing of division in the church and that the enemy has used to divide people and churches and generations when God's heart and what reflects God's goodness is actually being unified and one. And what's so sad is that so often it's easy to put our own preferences and interests first, even in little things like music, and think that they are worth dividing against and breaking the unity of the church over. And sadly, that's been the case in many churches, and and it even has been a struggle in our own church. But actually, there's a call to lay down our preferences for the sake of unity, and actually doing that is a spiritual sacrifice of worship. And actually, if we're united in love to together and care for each other, we actually honor Him, because worship is not about music. It's not about generations and generational preferences. It's not about traditions or about new things. It's about God. <laughs> it's about Him, and it's about His name. So what matters is what honors his name, what represents him well. And what his heart is, is that we will be a people who are united with one unified sacrifice of surrender to God together, which involves laying down our preferences for the sake of each other. So we honor him with the costly sacrifice of ourselves. We can express this through continual praise that he's worthy of, and we can express it through our care for each other. That represents his love as well. So I suppose there's an opportunity today, um, and as we come to to church, that's what we do. Again, this is obviously not to be something we only do at church, but in in some ways this is kind of a set-apart time of the week where we we, we re-say that we're a community that's centered on this, and we need to focus again to do this for another week because it's so easy to forget who he is. It's so easy to come off the altar and stop offering ourselves and if we, we're living in a society where people worship other gods, and in many ways the god that we're encouraged to worship in our society is ourselves, <laughs> and we're to do the exact opposite. So there's an opportunity on Sundays to come and put ourselves back on the altar again as a burnt offering, individually and as a community. There's an opportunity to come and remember that he's worthy of continual praise, in good times, in difficult times, and actually to offer that sacrifice here, but that, that would be a continual sacrifice through the week. And it's an opportunity to remember each other and recognize ways that we can care for each other and actually worship Him 
through our, our acts of generosity and, and service and gifts and our humility and our surrender to each other that's actually a pleasing aroma to God. And so ultimately what matters is His name and Him being honoured. So I'm going to um, pray, and then, um, yeah, we're going to sing again as we, we take the time to, to see Him. I suppose what I've been thinking as well, even as I've been working on this this week, um, we still have to remember that it starts with revelation. Like, like, we have to keep our eyes on Him, and then these are ways that we can respond. But it's so easy to then get stuck on our response. <laughs> but the response is not the thing to focus on but Him. But then these are different ways that we can respond to His great worth. So if you could stand with me, and then let's pray together. Jesus, you are and have led the way, and and you are the ultimate sacrifice, the once-for-all sacrifice for sin. You're the ultimate priest. You're our high priest. You surrendered to God. You showed God's great worth, His name as Father. You brought honor to His name, the greatest honor to His name by the way you lived, and, and you made a way for us to enter His throne and to offer our own praise and worship and spiritual sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we just honor you, Jesus, for what you've done and purchased by your blood. Father, thank you that you raised Jesus. You placed him at the right hand, and you've put him as the name above every name. Father, we thank you that you've given us your son, that it cost you greatly. Lord, we worship you that you're so kind and generous. You have the heart of a father that pursues us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you reveal Jesus that he is with us through you, that you live in us. We ask you to fill our hearts with praise, that we would overflow in, in hymns and songs of the Spirit that honor you. We offer ourselves back to you afresh and ask you to fill us afresh today, Holy Spirit. We just acknowledge, Lord, that we so easily fail to honor you. We, we're guilty of re- 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 forgetting you, uh, of preferencing ourselves, of lead, doing things that lead to division and, and ways that your name is dishonored and We ask for your forgiveness. We ask that we be a community that declares your praise, that represents your glory, that carries your presence and honors your name. And we pray that you grow us as worshipers, grow us as a community of worship. Give us grace to come offering pure, spiritual, costly sacrifices that honor your name across the earth. We just bless your name, Jesus, and we just pray you yeah, bless this gathering the rest of our time together in your name. Amen. Amen.